Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think he's done her just an awful disservice and I don't really know if this relationship now is recoverable. The fact that there's no immediate resolution in sight I think could be terribly worrying for the Queen. The only thing I would say is that Meghan in taking the step to allow her friends to speak to People magazine is going down the Diana route. Hi there and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that keeps us up to date with royal life. I'm Zoe Burrell and today we will be talking about Meghan's tumultuous week after her dad betrayed her yet again. We will also be discussing Meghan's surprise baby shower and how the Duchess of Cambridge has realised that there's one person she's neglecting. Joining us today to discuss it all is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi Zoe, big week. <laughs> it certainly has been, hasn't it, Ange? And there has been a lot going on for the Duchess of Sussex. Can you run us through what kicked off all the drama this week? Mm, look, I think this is one of the worst things that's, that's happened for Meghan and I, I think it's going to have ramifications for many years to come. So what's what happened is that um, five of her friends sat down with People magazine. They were anonymous, but they uh, gave extreme uh, amount of detail about her life. They talked about her relationship with her dad predominantly and they spoke about the fact that she had tried to contact him. She'd tried to uh, mend the rift between them. She'd written a letter to him um, and that it wasn't true, his claims, that he couldn't get in touch with her. They basically put her side of the story in much the way that Princess Diana all those years ago was the source for Diana, her true story, the novel by, uh, the, the um, biography by Andrew Morton. There's lots to, 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 to break down here. One is that Megan clearly endorsed her friend speaking to People magazine. Secondly, did she speak to the uh, Kensington Palace press office? It would seem not because I don't think that they would endorse this decision. But what it ultimately prompted and what is, is really disturbing is that Thomas Markle then released that letter, did an interview with the Mail on Sunday, initially just gave large tracts from the letter um, and then uh, released the actual visual of the letter in which we saw that Meghan has beautiful handwriting. Um, I mean, everything about her is utterly stylish. So, you know, her, her cursive, she's, she's done... Um, uh, handwriting courses and um, calligraphy and that sort of thing. So her, her handwriting is beautiful. But more to the point and more um, worryingly is that her ba- father has deeply betrayed her. She had written a very personal letter to him saying she was heartbroken, that she needed his support, that that could they put this aside, that she had financially supported him and that could he please um, care for her, that she'd always cared for him. I mean, it was a very, very moving letter. And I think... Look, um, it's unprecedented as far as far as I can uh, remember that member of the royal family has sort of been so exposed in this way. I mean, these are her private thoughts. These are very um, contemporary. This is her. She was writing it in August after um, after Thomas hadn't been to the wedding. And what made me really sad about it is it was so plaintive. It was whatever you think of Meghan, whether you think she's an actress or a manipulator or you actually think she's just a really lovely woman who is, um, you know, in control of her life and and 
uh, has been a working woman. Whatever you think of her, there is no doubt that this letter shows a woman who really deeply does want to have a relationship with her dad, not for PR purposes, but for its own sake. And I think that the fact that he has betrayed her by releasing it and then apparently responding to it by saying, come on, let's have a photo shoot together is exactly what she wasn't saying. She didn't want him to play out their relationship in the media. She wanted it to have some integrity and some dignity and she wants to have a relationship with him. All the more so, I imagine, because she's expecting her first child. And we know that when women have children, they they think a lot more about the relationship with their parent. I think he's done her just an awful disservice and I don't really know if this relationship now is recoverable. Questioning whether or not she should, her friends should have um, spoken to people and whether she, uh, uh, she, was, she triggered it all herself. I don't think so. I mean, the, the, the groundswell of, of um, opinion and the sort of the Megan as villain had grown to such a, it was this narrative that just kept, just kept gaining threads that I think that her decision to let her friends speak, you know, wasn't unwise. I, I think had she sought advice, she might have realised that it would actually set and in, uh, in train uh, the series of um, the outcome that has happened, which is that obviously, you know, Thomas has basically slapped her back at the moment that she's most vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's very heartbreaking for Megan. Has she come out with any response since the letter's been released? She hasn't, Zoe. And I think, I mean, you can only imagine what she must be feeling. Look, there is a copyright issue here. When I worked in the UK, you could never um, print a letter written by anybody without their permission because the author of a letter retains the copyright under British law. On a couple of occasions, the royals have actually sued for the um, when their letter or letters or correspondence have been printed, and there have been payouts by newspapers to the royal family as a result of them them doing that. Whether or not Meghan wants to bring attention to this and to um, sue the Mail on Sunday and and potentially her own father, I very much doubt she will take that um, that action. But the fact that it's been spoken about, I think, uh, speaks volumes of 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 how upset the royals are about this. I mean, it's so tawdry. It's so mucky. I mean, really, when you think back to it, it's it's on a scale of, of the Prince Charles and Camilla tampon gate or um, back all those years ago. I mean, this is... The one thing I would say is that I think that it potentially... It leaves Megan with people on her side because there's no way you can look at that letter and actually just not feel really sorry for her. And yeah. at the end of the day, I genuinely believe that it's a parent's responsibility to determine the relationship with their child, not the child's responsibility. Here you have Megan actually asking her dad in a mature, almost parental way to fix their relationship. Now, when you're the parent, I think it's your responsibility to guide and um, to be the bigger person in a relationship. And Thomas Markle's just failing her on every count. I wonder whether Doria Raglan needs to step in at this stage. Look, I... I know that when the pair of them became engaged that Doria and Thomas put out a joint statement together saying how delighted they were and how much they loved Harry. I don't know what um, influence she has on her former husband. They obviously separated when Meghan was only two. But she's a wise, strong, smart woman. And if anyone can um, get him to shut up, I think it's her. And I really <laughs> hope that on you know on her daughter's behalf she can impress on him. Otherwise, I think this relationship's done for. And, of course, that would be such a shame for Megan. 
But what about the Queen? What do you think she has to say about this situation? Oh, look, she just had the family operating well. They were all on message. They were all marrying well. They were all having cute, gorgeous (laughs) children. And now Harry's gone and married someone who has a history, uh, you know, and and, and bringing difficulties to the family. If you remember, she had the the years she called her Anna Cerebalus, which were when Fergie and Diana and all sorts of things went wrong. Um, You know, it was just so much muckraking and scandal. And, you know, the monarchy is in some respects, um, as sturdy as it's ever been, but in other respects, always vulnerable. I mean, it's a it's an institution that relies on public opinion for um, for how it's regarded. And, and, and it, she needs it to be cohesive. The Queen needs it to be functioning. She needs people to, um, to be acting appropriately. I mean, if our governments act inappropriately, we're, we're quick to swoop on them. And the same is the situation with, with an institution like the monarchy. She needs stability. She spent her lifetime uh, working towards stability. She's made yep. choices and sacrifices herself. Which, she has, hasn't um, she? Yes, which are, you know, all about uh, stability. And then, you know, you get a a new addition to the family and, and that seems in jeopardy. Her apparent comment on it is that it is a nightmare. This has come from a, um, a, a royal correspondent in the UK who's very well connected. Oh, wow. And she says that it's been a nightmare. And of course it is. And I don't, the fact that it, it, there's no immediate resolution in sight, I think, would be terribly worrying for the Queen. She's also, remember, just gone through her husband having a, a major accident. Oh, um, of course. And so, of course, she's going mm. to be concerned. Um, you know, in her, these latter years when she's reigned so solidly, it must be incredibly dispiriting to have your family spread across newspapers on talk shows um, being um, examined and uh, discussed in in such a way I couldn't imagine it and only when when you um, and it happens when of course when these things go wrong if they can keep some solidity and stability in it then there's nothing really to talk about but uh, I don't think that's going to be the case (laughs) no it doesn't seem like it with Megan's father Mm. but the Queen would not be the only one to have some concerns. We know that George Clooney has also had something to say on the topic. What, oh. what was that? Yeah, look, I think this is grandstanding by George Clooney. I know lots of people go, oh, yes, yes, he was right. Basically, he's come out and said that the Duchess of Sussex is being pursued, vilified and chased in the same manner as Princess Diana. And um, quite shocking comments. It's very Mm. strong comments. Then he's also gone so far as to say that um, history is repeating itself. And by saying that, he said, you know, and we've all seen how that ends. He's, of course, alluding to the death of Princess Diana. Okay, if you're a punter, you might think this to be true. It's not actually. Mm. <laughs> and I'm very, very forthright on this. I worked in Britain in the 1990s and I know exactly how the media worked. And it was scandalous. Um, Diana was chased. She was uh, seen, go, you know, she was photographed going to the gym. She was photographed on bikinis on holidays. Um, but two major events happened that have caused a huge about turn. Um, in how the press works in the UK. One, of course, was the death of Princess Diana, yep. which was at the hands of a drunken driver. Not, I mean, the press were chasing her, but but they were not ultimately responsible for her death. It was the fact she was driven by a drunk driver as the coroner's, um, as the inquest um, decided. The second thing is that, is that after the phone hacking scandal in Britain, the Leveson inquiry that resulted from that uh, examined in extraordinary detail, it caused the shutdown of, of a major British newspaper, examined 
and um, concluded that the Independent Press Standards Organisation would have more powers. And it's had a profound impact on how the royals are covered in the UK. So if you look at it, Diana, as I said, photographed on holiday, photographed in bikini. We haven't seen that with Meghan. She hasn't we been. Have we? No, we haven't. Very we rarely have, see those she's candid not, shots. No, and newspapers in Britain don't run those shots. So paparazzi, actually, there's no point in them even getting them because whereas they might have had huge price tags of £50,000 on them in the past, they don't have that price tag because the yep. papers and other sections of the media can't run them. So I think... Clooney is jumping on the bandwagon on a subject that he doesn't quite understand. What I do think has changed and what I think is very, very difficult for Meghan is that we pit women against each other, that Kate and Meghan are constantly um, sort of... seen or portrayed as in this cat fight but I also think social media has made it made it brutal for um, oh, it young has, women and the, women particularly such women. a huge impact on everything exactly I mean we know the bullying that goes on and Megan is is a victim of that so I think that drawing parallels between Megan and Diana it does make for easy clicks and I wrote about this last week it does gain um, Clooney attention but it is a really ludicrous comparison it is an entirely different situation now it's a much safer situation and I don't think to uh, intimate that that Megan could suffer the same fate as uh, as Diana is helping anybody no the other thing is that Diana also was collaborating on a lot of the stories when I worked for um, newspapers in London I remember one evening Diana had been driving with her driver through the park next to Kensington Palace the serpentine the lake that is in that park uh, a homeless man had fallen into it and she had um, she had jumped out of her car with her driver and helped this man out of the the lake oh, wow but no one you know had seen mm. this so she thought she might tell newspapers so she Mm. rang our newspaper and of course it was a front page story the next day she generated lots of the stories as we know from the Andrew Morton book she was constantly in contact with one of my colleagues Richard Cave the the royal reporter on the Daily Mail he was Richard and she was seen sitting in car together discussing stories regularly Um, so I think the only thing I would say is that Megan in taking the step to allow her friends to speak to People magazine is going down the Diana route Mm. Um, and while I don't think on in this instance it was an entirely wrong thing to do I think she should be cautious going forward in that respect how you deal with the media is you can't Use it to your advantage, but then critique it when it turns exactly. on you. Um, and I think that's a, you know, it requires a sophisticated understanding with really good PR people. And I think she would do well to listen to the PR people that are in her team. In the past, they used to just be promoted from somewhere within the palace, had no PR training, dim- damage limitation. Now they are industry experts. They are the best in class. Mm. And while I think she's a very assured and competent woman at managing her own affairs, uh, this is a particular situation that um, the experts are well-versed in. Yes, I do think that she should definitely be listening to them because no one does want to see it go down that same route. And now it appears that Megan has jetted off to New York for a baby shower. What do we know about that, Ange? I know we didn't know this was coming. This Mm. is quite exciting and it's kind of sweet for her. I mean, she's... You know, as you know, her life has been uprooted, and here she is in, in you know, a palace in, in London. So what she's done is she flew to uh, New York for the weekend just gone. She met up with her best friend Jessica Mulroney. Apparently, Aww. they had a really lovely baby shower in um, well deserved too. I think very well deserved <laughs> in a. Um, 
a uh, hotel in on the Upper East Side. They were spotted uh, having macarons and tea at uh, a bakery called Laddery in the Soho district. And then she actually popped into a... Um, I just love the way she's like every other mum. She popped into Bon Point, which is a children's wear shop, um, while she was back there. Obviously a fairly quick um, trip. She'll then head to Morocco with Harry um, for an official two-day visit after this trip. But how lovely to reconnect with her friends. It'll exactly. obviously be the last trip she can make back to um, the America because you can't fly after a certain mm, um, stage of your pregnancy. But I think when she's been going through such a tricky time, um, and I know friends visit her in London. I mean, when the, the, the contacts from the People magazine, the, the, they not only talked about Thomas Markle, but they talked about staying with her in her cottage and how she cooks all the food and how there was a lovely candle left next to the bed and slippers and a robe. and that's, I mean, she seems like the consummate host. But this was a real lovely thing just yeah. for her. And, oh, my gosh, does the woman deserve it? I hope she I got know. in a few spa treatments as well while she was there. <laughs> Although it's quite unprecedented, isn't it, for royals to have a baby shower? It is. Uh, it, I don't know what secretly goes mm. on behind the scenes. I'm sure Kate Middleton would have had a baby shower. <laughs> well, with party have... planning family. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and look, I think less for the gifts and more for the sense of the occasion. I, You know, I do hope they get to do those, those normal things. I would imagine it would have been an event where it was specified no gifts and it was really just a celebration and some games. Um, but she is, I mean, she as we know used to run a lifestyle um, blog and everything you know she is going to be the ultimate mum in terms of beautiful clothes for her child accessories um, and yeah look good on her. It will be a very stylish baby. It will be a very stylish baby I know it'll be cashmere everywhere won't it? (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Um, and of course speaking of the relationship between Kate and Meghan, we have heard that the Sussexes and the Cambridges are going to be splitting their offices. What's the significance of this? Look, I think a lot has been made of this in so much as that people think, oh, it's it's evidence of further evidence of a rift between the two. I don't think that's the case. I think they went from being brothers who had charities together, um, the Heads Together charity, mm. obviously um, William, Kate and Harry were all involved in that. So there was no need really for Harry to have his own office. Having married Meghan, though, and them having their own families, I mean, they, they, they have multiple people now that Kate and William have three children. Meghan and Harry are about to have theirs. Um, they're also not going to be living at the same location as we know that the um, Sussexes are moving out to uh, Windsor. It makes sense that they're splitting their um, their offices and that they have separate courts in effect. I mean, the courts, what it means by the court is it's the court of a particular um, member of the royal family. It dates back to, you know, the very earliest of royals and having a court is, is, is the people that surround you and help you. It runs much more like a, a corporate, it's much more corporate these days right. and there's far less backbiting and nastiness. But the fact that they're separating the offices, I think, is just a functional thing and, and shouldn't be read too much into. Yeah, it definitely seems like it would be practical. Uh, And meanwhile, the Duchess of Cambridge has been looking stunning at two back-to-back events. She really seems like she's coming into her own. She does. She looks really confident. Obviously, the um, wonderful... um a event at the BAFTAs where she wore that beautiful uh, oh, Alexander McQueen white one-shoulder dress, which put paid to all the nonsense about royals not being able to show off their shoulders. But I, I, what I loved <laughs> about that event is that they walked in, she and William, and they were walking down the stairs, and, uh, walking down the theatre, and everyone in the um, in the theatre went so dead quiet. And then she 
said to William, oh my gosh, it's so quiet. And he said, yes, let's sit, sit down quickly. <laughs> but she just looked so confident. And then a few nights later, she stepped out in a beautiful sort of multi-tone pinkish Gucci mm. gown. I mean, she's... She looks really regal. In fact, she's reminding me more and more of Princess Mary, our own Princess Mary, um, Frederick's wife. She has that poise. I think we saw this particularly when Princess Mary gave that um, long speech. I think it was 14 minutes or something. Wow. Um, about what to mark Frederick's uh, 50th birthday and in, pu- and in perfect Danish. I mean, it was extraordinary. And I can see that with Kate. There's a real shoulders back. There's She has a, a, an ease when she's talking to people at, um, at functions and events. She seems very in command. I mean, she's a woman that's reaching the end of her late 30s and she looks like, you know, she's a mum of three. She Couldn't knows what. though, could you? She looks gorgeous. Oh, no, she does. <laughs> she looks really um, uh, poised and and. Um, strong I think strong and I think she's got a real sense of her own identity she's come back from maternity leave from Louis I still wouldn't be surprised if they have a fourth child but I think there's a real purpose and you know she is so committed to her husband and the monarchy and and to ensuring that it has that stability that the Queen has has long wanted on all credit to her she's really um, you know as well as saying all credit to her, I do think she has that huge benefit of a strong and stable, secure family behind her. So the Middletons are an extraordinary family. They, you know, they are rock solid. And William in the past has spoken about how much Kate's family means to them. Mm-hmm. And I think having that as a role model and having, you know, in their family, they would have learned to deal with conflict there. It's an intact family. They've She's grown up in a really solid way. It's solid schooling, yes, solid neighbourhood. Very yeah, supportive exactly. as well. And I think that, that means that bodes well for her relationship with her husband because that's you know, that's her learned behaviours. And I, I think we can see that coming through. There's a confidence that I think I think we haven't seen before, which is rather lovely. Yes. She definitely seems much more confident these days. And um We've heard that after three kids, she's decided to focus on something that is very important to her. Mm. What can you tell us about that? Well, a source has come out and said that she's determined to renew her wedding vows and that um, she needs to focus wow. on... Um, that white dress would have been perfect. <laughs> would, wouldn't it? How gorgeous was that? Look, I don't think that'd do anything as um, sort of naff as having a, a, you know, a recommitment ceremony. But I think it's telling that after three children... Uh, you know, it's been busy. She's they've come out one after the other. It's it, she still works. Um, of course, they have tons of help, but it's you know they their their diaries are busy, and I, she's yes. very much taken time to. Um, she wants to take time to to focus on her relationship with William, and she likes doing things for William. She doesn't need you know she likes to get his clothes out for the day, or she likes to cook him a meal. Yes, she I've actually, heard they love to cook a curry together. Yeah, don't they? exactly. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> right, and I think she wants to really. Invest invest um, in that relationship and make sure that they are secure. I mean, they've got, um, they're going to have the focus on them for the rest of their lives. And if they're not intact as a couple, then that, you know, they can't, they, they, they'll coat hanger off which everything else hangs. Interestingly, they've also both cleared their diaries this week for what is um, midterm in the UK. So this is the middle of the term when okay. kids are all off school. So George and Charlotte will be back home from school. And so oh, they're spending their time with their children. That would be nice. Maybe a little ski trip. They know they've done that in the past. <laughs> I know. They're getting to that age, aren't they, where those kids will be ready to go skiing. Louis probably a little bit little. Um, And just finally, an update on the Duke of Edinburgh. He's not going to face prosecution. 
and I know, isn't this funny, that the Crown Prosecution Service in the UK has come out and said, no, he will not face prosecution. It doesn't serve the public interest. Interestingly, they came out with this after he had um, surrendered his licence voluntarily. And they, the CPS actually said that they took into account that he had surrendered his licence, the mm. age of the driver and the circumstances which led to it. I think basically he was told on no uncertain terms, you can't drive anymore, mate. Fair and enough. If you, don't, you know, we cannot not prosecute unless um, unless you take the, the a step in the right direction. So I can't, I don't imagine he'd have been very happy at not driving. As we know, straight after that accident, he got a new car delivered and was seen yes, driving without did. a seatbelt. But I think the firm words uh, been put on him, and and you know, it, it's it's an it's the outcome that needs to be, and also it showcases two older drivers that. That they do have to take care. I mean, in the UK, you do have to have your license. Um, uh, you have to reset your license every three years after the mm. age of seventy. So, um, you know, it's it's good that he stepped back from that. But um, interestingly, the only people that the only person in the royal family that cannot face prosecution is the Queen. Wow! Yeah, they can all all the rest of them can be dragged before a court if they do something wrong. Which, oh um, gosh! <laughs> <laughs> obviously, that hardly ever happens. Of and I can't think of a time that it has, but I'm sure it has. <laughs> anyway, yes. Well, it will be good to see him slowing down with the drive. Mm. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Zoe. And thanks to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And, of course, check out our latest Royal mini-mag in the current issue of New Idea. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.